Entrepreneur on Fire 513. John Lee Dumas is here with your daily dose of inspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire and prepare to ignite. Are you an audiobooks.com member? Get one title of your choice per month plus 33% off each additional title. And guess what? You can get started with your first book for free today. Go to audiobooks.com slash fire. LegalZoom is the go-to provider of affordable legal protection. Just ask one of the three dozen companies on the Inc. 500 list. Go to LegalZoom.com to find the service that's right for you and enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Okay, FIRE Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Adam Braun. Adam, are you prepared to ignite? Yes. All right. Adam is the founder of Pencils of Promise, an organization he started with $25 on the side of a finance career that has now built more than 200 schools around the world. He is also the author of The Promise of a Pencil, How an Ordinary Person Can Create Extraordinary Change. I've given our listeners just a little overview, Adam, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. My background really starts with a, a career um, that I hoped would end up in the financial sector. Uh, I essentially started interning and working at first hedge funds and then fund of funds uh, and then institutional banks uh, starting when I was just 16 years old. And so had a lot of exposure to one specific sector, uh, was excited about the life that I was going to build there. But uh, when I was 21, um, I went into the developing world for the very first time. And the reason that I did that was because um, I'd kind of lived from growing up in Fairfield County, Connecticut, and I went to school uh, at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. I'd never really left New England. Um, and if I had left it, it was, you know, maybe to go to some part of, um, uh, I would say, you know, another country in the world, but all of them were distinctly Western culture. And I saw a film that was shot all around the world as uh, a sophomore in college, and I just thought if these things exist... If these are happening uh, right now, these places, these people, these cultures, I need to see them with my own eyes. And, um, you know, went out uh, and just had a series of life-altering experiences as a 21-year-old traveling. And the first thing uh, that really kind of, I would say, changed my trajectory was the ship that I was on was um, struck by a 60-foot rogue wave about uh, eight, 900 miles from land. Wow. Did you uh, see this wave coming or did it just hit? So we were in about 40 to 45 foot swells for okay. um, a couple of days, but, but it got really bad that one morning. And, um, you know, I, we were all just in our cabin. So you you'd kind of, you know, your cabins look out the side of the ship. The wave hit us head on. So we felt the whole ship shudder, but we actually didn't know what was going on. And the panicked announcement came over the loudspeaker, uh, essentially telling us to get to the muster stations, which is where you evacuate a ship from as soon as we could. Um, and, you know, you look outside, this is the North Pacific in winter, it's freezing cold weather. It was just really clear um, the, that the ship was going down and that we were going down with it. And uh, with huge swells outside, like it was a certain death experience. There's just no other way to describe it. I knew that I was dying in the next probably hour or two and that it was going to be a very painful death. Wow. And, um, you know, when you have an experience like that, it forces you to kind of ask these big questions like, you know, why is this happening? Why did I even exist in the first place? What's the legacy that I'm going to leave behind? And as soon as you kind of start to consider those things, it really changes your priorities. And so I started to think a lot, 
not about you know the things that I could accumulate in my life, but what I would pass on to others, what were the footprints that I would leave behind, and ultimately, what was my purpose for being there in the first place? And uh, I just kind of had to work at a fund of funds, of course. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, um, you know, strangely, uh, this feeling of of just calmness settled over me. And I had this moment where I just knew it wasn't my time, uh, that I wasn't going to perish at sea that day, that probably the whole ship would go down and everyone with it. But this this kind of knowledge that um, I had more to do, that I had a purpose and that it wasn't to perish that day. And so, you know, I changed into swimming gear, thinking that I was going to be like the one idiot floating a couple of days later when the Coast Guard came. And fortunately, the ship didn't go down. But, um, you know, we, we, uh, we stayed afloat, you know, about five hours of mass hysteria and pandemonium and all these other things. But, uh, you know, we survived. And off of that, um, you know, I just really started to think a lot about a sense of personal purpose. And, you know, the it's almost cliche, but just how short life can be and how you can't really take that next day for granted. And ultimately how you just really get one shot at this specific existence. And so it kind of made me somewhat fearless, I would say, um, to pursue whatever I believed my sense of purpose led to. And so I started traveling, um, off of that, uh, the, the program continued fortunately. Uh, and while I was in the developing world, I met this um, young boy begging on the streets of India, and I had a habit of asking one kid per country, what do you want most in the world? And I asked him, he was the one kid uh, in, in India, and his answer, much to my surprise, was not uh, a house, a car, a boat, uh, the things that I kind of wanted. Uh, it was a pencil and nothing more. Um, and so I kind of started to ask him why, and I learned this kid had never been to school before. And it just opened my eyes up to this issue around um, how education uh, is, is not something that uh, is provided to every single child around the world. And that just seemed like this fundamental injustice. And my family uh, lifted itself out of poverty over several generations, but not because people gave us handouts, but because we focused on education. Um, and so that became my obsession. Uh, first, you know, just backpacking, traveling. I went through about 40 or 50 different countries as a backpacker. Then I came back, uh, started working at Bain uh, and as a consultant uh, and had kind of the dream job uh, leading to the career that I wanted in private equity. And I just didn't feel like I was fulfilling my sense of purpose. Um, you know, for others, I, that, that might be the thing that they feel like they're here to do. For me, I just, it didn't feel like I was tapping into that. And so uh, late 2008, I got this idea, put $25 in a bank account, uh, and uh, kind of reference to my 25th birthday that month and I asked friends to give donations instead of birthday gifts to help me build one school that I wanted to dedicate to my grandmother uh, who's 80 and uh, a Holocaust survivor. And I would just wanted to give her a more meaningful birthday gift than like a set of golf clubs. And so uh, off of that, I just started building what uh, really has kind of become my, my first major entrepreneurial venture. I'd always started small businesses, but uh, I just became, you know, an obsessive entrepreneur and uh, built that organization, Pencils of Promise, from $25 as a 25-year-old to now 200 schools around the world, um, you know, raising millions of dollars a year, uh, educating tens of thousands of children every day. Adam, I'm taking so much from that. First and foremost, your friends give you birthday presents? <laughs> I'm going to get some new friends, yo. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really, really funny. If you say to friends of yours, I don't want birthday presents this year, just donate to the cause of you know, my, my preference. 
it strangely forces them to donate even when they weren't planning on giving <laughs> right. you a birthday present. Because that would be almost... my friends. They'd be like, well, wait a second. Since when am I giving you a birthday present? <laughs> yeah, it's hysterical. It's That's... like I wasn't planning on giving you anything, but now that you brought it up, sure, I'll, uh, I'll make a donation. What uh, a name. sneak. I love it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. but there are just so many powerful things there that, you know, Adam, you had that moment of calm where you just knew you weren't going to die. I mean, here you are right. in these 45-foot swells and the freeze. Pacific, you know, getting your bathing suit on and saying, you know what, I'm going to make this happen. And, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire, Adam, gets downloaded over 450,000 times a month in over 145 countries. I think that you might have just dropped cruise rates by about 10% (laughs) around the world. So you might be getting some calls from like Royal Caribbean in a couple of minutes here, but no worries. Right, right. I mean, I will say um, that program that I went on, I've always uh, said since it is the best and most important thing that I've done in my life. And as strange as it sounds, I know it was kind of this, you know, freak once once uh, in a blue moon thing that happened to us. Um, I I, I couldn't have been happier that I went on it. And ultimately, my grandmother, the one that I eventually built that first school for, she begged me not to get back on the ship. Because by the time that, you know, we, we kind of went through the swells, we had to find land to get the ship prepared. And uh, my grandmother was like, why are you doing this to me? And I was like, Ma, I'm not doing anything to you, but I'm going to get back on this ship. And, you know, strangely, when you've been through something like that, uh, you, you kind of feel invincible. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, the, it, I think it kind of emboldened me to feel comfortable traveling anywhere in the world after something like that. No, it's called the near-death experience. And mm-hmm. actually, it was recently written about in the book David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, mm-hmm. where when the Germans would bomb people in London, mm-hmm. the actual scientists thought that it would completely terrify the entire city of London and that they would panic and the war would be won because the entire city would just revolt and panic. But it had the mm-hmm. exact opposite effect. When they had a near-death experience, meaning a bomb landed near them but did them no harm, Everybody adapted and adopted this fear of this invincibility attitude that I am invincible. And he talks about it so eloquently in that book. So Fire Nation, if you haven't listened to that audio book or read that book by Malcolm Gladwell, just what Adam's talking about is so real and so powerful. And especially in in a life and death situation like he experienced and like the people of London experienced back in World War II. So Adam... Entrepreneur on Fire focuses on the journey of our spotlighted guest. That's you today. You've already done an amazing job taking us through an abbreviated part of your journey, but now we want to get specific. We want to talk about a story of a time that you failed, when you fell flat in your face. Like, Really tell us that story, Adam, and the lessons you learned. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's interesting, actually, that you asked that question. Um, within, this, <clears throat> within the book that I've written, the, the Promise of a Pencil, How an Ordinary Person can create extraordinary change. There's 30 short chapters, but I didn't just want to write kind of an inspiring um, story of an entrepreneur. I wanted to show people exactly how they could find their sense of purpose and then turn it into a full-time business uh, or organization or movement. And so each of these 30 chapters is titled with one of the lessons learned, um, which you know, in, in another lens can just be viewed as mantras. And there's one that's called Fess Up to Your Failures. And it's all about my biggest failure, uh, which I'm happy to share with you now. Yes. Um, and uh, strangely, this is absolute truth that I haven't really shared with anyone else. You know, when you go through the process of writing, you share um, certain you know, drafts and manuscripts with people and you kind of ask for their feedback. And I decided that out of all of the, these 30 chapters, that was the one that I was going to remove after 
um, you know, you kind of had this, this moment of like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, the content's going to be locked and this is going to go out in the world for thousands <laughs> of people to read. Do I really want to sound like a jerk in this one chapter when I really screwed up? And much to my surprise, when I asked people their feedback on the book, it was everybody's favorite chapter. So, so many people said, you know something, this made you seem human. It made you seem real. And it, 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 it displayed a sense of vulnerability that was relatable. And, and so uh, obviously I ended up keeping it in. But ultimately what happened was um, we as an organization were growing. Uh, I think at this point in time, we probably had uh, somewhere between 30 and 50 schools, which for us already like, you know, felt like a tremendous amount. Sure. And um, there was a contest called the British Airways Face of Opportunity Contest where they highlighted small business owners. And um, long story short, the, there was an online contest that led to a face-to-face pitch off in front of these celebrity judges. Uh, and kind of on a whim, I submitted a video and then uh, ultimately ended up winning this whole contest, which led to 10 business class flights for us as an organization to use anywhere in the world. And right after I won it, we were at kind of this celebratory cocktail reception. I got an email from uh, my staff in Guatemala letting me know that they had been uh, held up at knife point. Um, and they had essentially kind of been roughed up and robbed and that their, um, their wallets and their cell phones were stolen. And at that point in time, you know, we were still a really small, scrappy organization. And I, I, you know, still do, but especially then, you know, you value every single dollar, like $30, $50, $100. I really had to work hard for that, especially in the early days. And so I interpreted that email as, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear this. Just so you know, if you're asking for us to reimburse you for the money that was lost, you know, this is kind of your fault. You probably shouldn't have been in you know, this city late at night, um, it didn't happen while you were in one of our villages doing a traditional site visit. So Pencils of Promise um, isn't going to reimburse you for this. And I really thought at the time that I was looking out for the organization and setting a precedent that if things like this happen, the organization doesn't take the kind of financial hit that um, each of our staff members was responsible for it. And the feedback that I got from my staff, um, these two individuals that were out there was... Uh, angry would be an understatement. Um, They were just really, really upset with me that I had jumped to the conclusion that they were even asking for that and uh, alluding to the idea that they might have done something wrong. And what I ultimately realized was that while I was trying to protect the organization, an organization is nothing more than a collection of people to begin with. And that in essentially trying to help and and protect the org, I was actually hurting it more than I, I realized by not looking after my people fully and completely. And so off of that, we, um, you know, not only did I, you know, greatly apologize, but we put a series of um, procedures and practices and policies in place to rectify any situation like this going forward. And besides this clearly highlighting to me that I had a lot of growth to do as a leader of an organization, but it ultimately forced us to strengthen every piece of our procedural practices because we hadn't anticipated something like this happening. And, you know, my, one of my biggest learnings was just that when you have failures, that's actually the biggest opportunity for growth and learning. It's, it's never in the midst of success, but it's in the methods in which we deal with failure that really come to define individuals and their companies. 
And we always start with a failure here at Entrepreneur on Fire, Adam, for that exact reason that you said that you got that feedback from your initial reader saying that they connected with you because of that. They started to relate to you as a person, as a human being. And that's what we love to do here with our guests because initially there's a chasm. I mean, here we have these very successful, very inspiring entrepreneurs and then our listeners. And a lot of times the listeners are like, okay, I feel like there's a huge chasm in between me and this listener who's sharing these successful, inspiring stories. We close that chasm so eloquently by sharing these failures. And I love how you put it, that an organization is the sum of its parts. I mean, that's such a powerful sum up of everything you learned from that experience. And Adam, let's take this and move to the other end of the spectrum. Let's talk this time about another story, an aha moment, a light bulb that went off for you. Obviously, you had one when you were talking to the boy in India. You had one when you were on the cruise ship thinking that you maybe were going down with the ship. Tell us a story just like that and the steps that you took to turn that moment, that idea into success. Yeah, sure. So probably the best example of that would um, actually be the founding of the organization, the, the, the night that I kind of had the idea, cool. which was, um, you know, I think that a lot of people, they have this perception from the outside that breakthrough ideas uh, happen independently, that, you know, it's just this one idea that is unearthed. And what I found, <laughs> what I really believe is that they're actually the amalgamation of a lot of small ideas coming together and uh, essentially creating like your Megatron concept uh, when, you know, small ideas end up intersecting. And that ultimately the way to have a breakthrough idea is not to try and think of a breakthrough idea, but to put yourself in an environment where a lot of new ideas start to intersect. And then you suddenly realize, oh my God, I'm uniquely positioned to go out and do this thing that nobody else has done before. And so my example of that was, you know, I, I backpacked a ton. I had this great experience um, as a, a trained consultant from Bain. Um, and then the economy just went to crap, you know, in, in late 2008. And uh, this one morning I had brunch with a friend of a friend and she was essentially volunteering on the side of her job for a not-for-profit organization. Um, and I thought like, wow, that's so cool. You know, this is your job. You know, that sounds great. She was like, no, no, I, I just do it on the side. Everyone uh, does it on the side. And she was part of what was essentially a volunteer force, almost like extracurriculars after you know, high school. And I thought, like, why does that go away when you work? Uh, you know, we have work life and social life. Why don't you do things you're passionate about just on the side? And then I went for a walk with another buddy of mine that afternoon. And he talked to me about how important it was to take risks when you're young, um, that when you have uh, the freedom to do so, that's when you take a risk, not when you know, you're tied down with, uh, you know, probably kids in college and a mortgage and a house and all these other things. And then that night I went to the Philharmonic Symphony. I'd never been to a symphony before. And I watched one guy play the piano with such fervor and passion um, that I was just blown away. And I, I looked at him and I thought, gosh, if I could just feel that passion about one thing, that would be, that would make my life complete. And then this name, Pencils of Promise, popped in my head. And I realized in that moment, all right, I passed out pencils you know, for years in the developing world. I know how to operate there. I've now been trained as a consultant. I can come in from the outside and figure out how to you know, bring real for-profit business acumen into a humanitarian issue. And I know that the economy is bad, so I can find a volunteer force, and I can find young people who want to kind of risk it and go for something big. And that night, I went home, and I wrote the charter for the organization, and that was kind of the aha moment. Um, or, or what I like to call like lightning moments, because it feels like lightning is going through you. You're so energized that uh, led to the creation uh, of Pencils of Promise. Lightning moments. I love it, Adam. And if you could share with Fire Nation, Adam, what is your proudest entrepreneurial moment? 
Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I would say the single proudest moment that I've ever had was uh, after our first school was finished, because that was the dream initially. It was literally just like, can, you know, can I build one school? Can this organization build one school? And everything since then is obviously, um, to some degree, felt like icing on the cake. But my proudest moment undoubtedly was after the first school was completed and um, my grandmother had kind of asked me, like, why do you keep on going out to Laos where the first school was built? And, you know, you have this great safe job. Why, why are you leaving it? Why are you stepping away for a bit? And I sat her down uh, just before her 80th birthday and I said, Ma, you know, I want to show you what I've been doing. And I showed her some photos of the kids and she was really moved by it. And then I said, um, most importantly, I-, I wanted to show you this part, which is why I actually went out to build the school. This was the, the motivation for me. And she looks at the plaque of the- this school that she's now seen kids learning in and she reads it and she says, Patung Village School, Luang Prabang Education Ministry with um, you know, this organization, that organization, et cetera. And she reads lovingly dedicated to, and then sees her own name on it. And just, she starts shaking, you know, both of us are, uh, bawling our eyes out. It was the most emotional moment I've ever had in my life. Um, and also certainly the proudest just because she knew that her legacy was going to carry on for generations. And that, that was the ambition. And that also ultimately became an aha moment because I realized why should this experience be solitary just for my grandmother and I? Uh, why can't I build an organization that not only delivers better educational uh, access for children in, in poverty in the developing world, but wouldn't everyone want to have this experience with a loved one? You know, someone who came before them sacrificed a tremendous amount and uh, now they can honor through the creation of a school. And that was another big moment that uh, led me to decide to do Pencils of Promise full time. And now um, each one of those schools that we've built is dedicated to somebody. That just gave me shivers, Adam. And I know that Fire Nation is just thinking about their lives and the direction that their lives are taking and the journey that they're currently on right now and and coming up with ways that they can make impacts as well and, and yeah. what really inspires them and where their passions lie. Like when you had that moment with the Philharmonic and saw the fever of the guy in the piano and that came pencils of promise just appear to you. Powerful, powerful stuff. And Adam, let's bring things to present times. Let's talk about today. You love that word lightning. So what is just lightning through your body right now that just has you super fired up? You know, I would say there's two things. One is uh, ultimately the, the, the ambitions of this organization because we've moved past just building schools. I mean, we still do it and we're breaking ground on a new school every 90 hours, which is just incredible uh, across Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Um, But we also do teacher training. We do student scholarships. But I think the way in which education occurs is changing. And so we're launching innovation pilots that incorporate new technologies and teaching methods um, to essentially figure out what does the future of education look like? Because we can do it really cheaply really efficiently and, um, you know, with communities that want to adopt new ideas. So that, that gets me super jazzed up. And then truthfully, just seeing people's reactions um, to the book has been overwhelming. I mean, you know, when you write something in a vacuum, you hope that people like it. Right. But um, it seems like these, these 30 lessons are just resonating with so many people. And, and, you know, it's not for people necessarily that are, you know, interested in starting a nonprofit. It's for, you know, the aspiring entrepreneur who's got a big idea, but not a lot of money or maybe influence behind them. Cause you know, that's my story. I, I had nobody behind me and no, you know, money to speak of in this organization, um, for almost two years. But, uh, I learned a lot along the way and just watching people 
read this thing and then respond to it and understand like there's a very clear set of steps that you can take uh, that will lead to tremendous success um, has just kind of got me, I would say, personally on fire. So Adam, before we dive into the lightning round, let's thank our sponsors. Still waiting for the perfect time to start your business? That's mistake number one. There isn't a perfect time. Can't find affordable legal protection you can trust? That's mistake number two. You're looking in the wrong place. Visit LegalZoom.com today for award-winning services developed by some of the best legal minds in the country. Getting legal protection can be overwhelming, and that's why LegalZoom provides services that take you from step one to step done. LegalZoom can help you start and maintain business with incorporation and LLC filings, trademarks, and copyrights. Get personalized attention from a company who can say that 90% of their customers would recommend the service to their family. LegalZoom is not a law firm and provides self-help services at your specific direction. But there's so much more. Now, every LLC and incorporation package includes easy-to-use business accounting software, a $269 value, free. Be sure to enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Listen, do I do, do you want to know a secret? Do I do, do you promise not to tell? Whoa, 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 close. Oh, sorry about that, Fire Nation. I was just thinking about a great secret I've been dying to tell someone. It's this amazing online library of over 40,000 audiobook titles over at audiobooks.com. Business titles? Of course they have business titles. The 4-Hour Workweek, Utility, those are just a couple that are available for your listening and learning pleasure. Love to read, but having some troubles with that while driving and working out? With audiobooks.com, you can listen instantly from anywhere. Just download your audiobooks from your Apple or Android device for offline listening or stream them with a mobile or Wi-Fi connection. They also offer some great membership benefits, like an audiobook every month plus 33% off each additional title you listen to. Are you ready to get started? Sign up today and get your first book for free at audiobooks.com slash fire. So Adam, you're on fire and it's a perfect segue to what my favorite part of the show is, the lightning rounds, where you get to share some incredible resources and insights with Fire Nation. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds great. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Fear. I think fear holds most people back, just the, the lack of security. What is the best advice you've ever received? Always stay guided by your values, not by your necessities. Uh, and that's been a big one for me. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll find points in your life where uh, there's something that might seem really important that you need it right then and there, but ultimately stick to your values because those, those never change and um, those are timeless, you know? Adam, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Yeah, one of my biggest um, personal habits is I've kept a, a, a journal for almost 16 years now. Um, and uh, the thing that I think a lot of people mess up on is they don't buy a physical journey, journal that they're excited to write in. So um, there's beautiful leather-bound journals out there. Get one that's custom, that's unique. Spend a little money on it, and you will cherish writing down your deepest, um, most uh, honest truths in there. And that is kind of, um, I would say, always provide a great compass for me is just, you know, every couple of weeks making sure that I write. Adam, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, uh, I'm obsessed with Captio, C-A-P-T-I-O. 
Uh, it's the simplest, most efficient, brilliant app I know of. You literally open it up, uh, write in whatever you want, and then you press send, and it emails uh, a note right to yourself. And my inbox is my to-do list, so it's better than the full process of emailing yourself. Just use Captio, write it down, and then it shoots it right back to you. Love it. Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and all this great stuff that we're talking about in today's episode at eofire.com slash Adam Braun. Adam, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? My favorite book is Shantaram. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's a beast. It's almost a thousand pages. But if you've got a long vacation, it is the single best book I've ever read. I was that guy, Adam, in Mumbai reading that book. Oh, I love to hear that. In that cafe, looking for the bullet holes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, if not Shantaram, The Alchemist. That book really changed my life. Oh, or Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. That, that's the only book that I consistently reread every few years. Powerful. Well, Fire Nation, I know that you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audio book like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Adam, this next question is the last of the lightning rounds, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Wow, that's an amazing question. <laughs> Man, you must get some great responses. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I would try and uh, spend the next seven days speaking to every single person that I could and asking them what they loved most. And then I would try and build a business around what those people love most in a way that uh, improved the well-being of their lives. Wow, Adam, you started this interview off with a bang with that Titanic-like story. Just gave me shivers, and you continue to do so all the way through the dedication to your grandmother of the first school that you dedicated. Just powerful, powerful stuff. Let's end on a high note by you giving Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, sharing the best way that we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. The best piece of guidance uh, that I can provide is actually the title of the last chapter of the book, which is the phrase, make your life a story worth telling. Uh, I think that as humans, we're natural storytellers. And when you look back on things, you want to be proud to tell the story of your life to your grandkids and have them share it onwards. Uh, the way to find me, uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter, which is Twitter slash, twitter.com slash Adam Braun. Uh, my personal website is adambraun.com. Uh, the website for the organization is pencilsofpromise.org. And uh, you can find my book, The Promise of a Pencil, How an Ordinary Person Can Create Extraordinary Change on Amazon or any other bookseller. Well, Adam, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that you just said, all your contact information, resources, books at eofire.com. Click on the podcast tab because you are hanging out in the archives or Fire Nation. Just enter Adam in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Adam, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much. Fire Nation, are you interested in creating your own podcast? If so, you should come check out our next live webinar for Podcasters Paradise. During the webinar, I talk about the strategies I've used to grow my podcast to over 450,000 unique downloads a month. Plus, I'll give you a sneak peek at the Podcasters Paradise community so you can decide if it's the right fit for you. Sign up today at podcastersparadise.com. 
com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 